Welcome to the Readerly Report. Your hosts are Gail Weiswasser and Nicole Bonilla. We hope you will enjoy our candid book conversations, recommendations, and observations on the reading life. Thanks so much for joining us. All right, so welcome to another edition of the Reader. Huh. Welcome to another edition of the Readerly Report. Gail and I are here, and she is back from vacation. So I am back. We are going to discuss all your reads. I'm so excited because it seems like you read a lot. And I did. I want to talk to you about your book purge thing that's yes. happening, which is this is exciting for you. I'm excited for you. <laughs> Thank you for the encouragement and support. So wait, what brought this on? Um, well, a couple of things. We, we've been looking to move and we are not yet, uh, we don't have a date or even a house under contract that we're moving into, but I think it's going to happen hopefully in the next couple of months. And so I just feel like it's time for me to purge many, many things out of the house and books is a really easy place to start. And it's, so necessary because I have so many hundreds of books stashed in all kinds of places. And what I want to do is move somewhere and then have all my books in one place. So I'm getting rid of two categories of books. The first was a much larger one. It's books I've picked up over the last 10 years that I want to read. Either I bought them or they were sent to me or they came from BEA. And I just feel like I'm probably not going to read them. So I want to get rid of those. And then the other thing is, oh, I know. Because you don't want to take stuff to a new place that, like, is weighing you down at the old place. That's just yeah, it's like fresh start. You fresh start. Chance. Fresh start. That's exactly right. And I'm also going through books I've read. And I just decided, like, life is too short and you just, I don't have enough space to keep books that I don't love. So if I read it and it was okay, and I want to pass it on to someone else, I'm going to just get rid of it. And if it's a book that I feel like I want to look at on my shelf lovingly and remember the experience of reading it and perhaps maybe even pick it up and look at it again, then I'm going to keep it. Right. So that is what's going on. So I'm going to get make a big pile, and I'm going to invite a bunch of people over and serve some wine and say, have Adam, and anything that's left, I will donate. Amazing. Yeah. So what I've been doing is snapping photos of stacks of books and then texting them to Nicole so she can tell me that, you know, reaffirm my choices of keep and toss. Yeah. So far you've affirmed everything I did. Yeah, I've, I've affirmed toss. I mean, because I feel like the books that you're tossing, you really were not going to read or they're so old or there's something out there like it already. So it's not such a big deal. And then the books that you're saving, they seem like, you know, that they are, um, I guess, on brand for Gail. (laughs) Yes, I think that's a good way to put it. So anyway, that's what's going on with the book purge. So you can expect lots of late night texts from me as I continue to go through books. And then what I do is I go on Goodreads and I see what people have said and particularly people I know on Goodreads. And if there's a book with like a huge number of like two, three, and even one star reviews, it, it goes. Right. How's your book hoarding situation right now? Oh, my book hoarding situation is bad. Like I had really gotten to, um, I had really gotten to a good place with it because what I did was, if I had an ARC come in, you know, 
and they come in anywhere from seven to six months ahead of time. Basically, I had until it released to read it. And if, you know, I didn't read it that month or the month after, then it had to go because it was an ARC. And I figured if, you know, I don't know, I heard so much about it and I had to read it, then I would either buy it or get it from the library or download it on um, audio. So that was my compromise with myself. And I just totally have not paid it any attention. Like, I never pay it any attention. The beat, the book expo box gets sort of special dispensation mm-hmm. <laughs> for a little bit. <laughs> um, but the books start coming in. And so I have not been as diligent as doing that. Um, so yeah, that's been my compromise that the ARCs go. And I've been holding on to some, but I really, I think that I'm going to do with you what you did because, you know, I have hundreds of books in a very small space and I just you know I need more space yeah because yeah. I'm a and big I think all- skincare person too <laughs> like I don't wear I don't wear makeup but I love like face masks and moisturizers and this and that and so I've got like a ton of that just all over that's the place that's why you have such nice skin so thank such you youthful skin <laughs> so I have to um yeah, so so now I've I've got all these skincare products that I need to go to. I mean, I could literally be a beauty blogger, um, and I have books, so I need yeah. to get my life together and get some piles together and serve wine and like give people face masks and books, and, and they really go well together. So that's true. <laughs> Put that's on a true. face mask. <laughs> um, get your 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 beverage of choice with a you know your metal straw and read a book right right your metal straw I love it (laughs) so let's get to your vacation books because I'm super curious about what you actually ended up taking and what you read because it sounds like you did a lot of reading on vacation I did so I read seven books which for me is a lot and I read almost everything I brought with me there was one book I brought with me a library book that I started and I didn't like and i I mean, I had to bring it back. So it's a library book. So that came home unread. And I think, uh, oh, there were some things on Kindle that came that I brought that I didn't get to. But other than that, all of the print books I brought that I brought with me, I read and three of them I left behind. So that was good. It was very efficient. That's, oh, yeah. So yeah, that worked. Good. Yeah, it did work. So they're in various vacation homes in Greece. So (laughs) if anyone wants them. Actually, I left one in an airport too. I think it was the Copenhagen airport. So I left a book there as well, propped up against a bookstore, thinking that maybe a bookstore employee would come to work in the morning and, and be see like, it. hey. And be like, oh, I've had my eye on this one. Of course, it's in English, but whatever. And uh, <laughs> I left it like like props up against the gate that, you know, that they pulled down at night. So I'm curious to know. I, then I was like, oh, someone's going to think this is a bomb and <laughs> evacuate the airport. But I don't think that happened. All right. So you want me to go through what I read? Yeah, let's go. I'll, let's. I'll, I'll save the first one for last because you read that too. And then okay. we can talk about that one. How's that? So maybe I'll go, in, I'll go in, um, in a different order. So um, I did, I think I discussed a lot of these with you before I went and you had predictions. And so I can tell you whether your predictions were right or not. So um, the second book I read was How to Walk Away by Catherine Center, which you were surprised I picked up because it's like light women's fiction. Right. You were right. It is light women's fiction. Um, but it was uh, it was a good read. Like I read it on like a ferry. Like we had lots of time and it was the perfect vacation read. It was um, – it's about a woman who uh, 
gets in a plane crash with her fiance and she's paralyzed from knees down. And it's about her recovery and her coming to terms with the fact that she's not going to walk again. And it's about her breakup with her horrible fiance who basically abandons her as soon as this happens, even though it was all his fault. And then how she kind of recovers and reclaims her life. So if you've read any Catherine Center, they're about women overcoming adversity and they are light in terms of, you know, they're, they have a light touch and, a, and some humor in them and they're not deep and depressing, even though they do deal with serious stuff. And it was a fun read. So I, I'm glad I read it. Um, this is probably my second or third of her books. And uh, that one I left behind for someone else to enjoy. Oh, good. Yeah. So is that so a that beach was... house in Greece read that yeah. was left somewhere? That's, yeah, that's somebody probably perfect. Will... Someone will enjoy that in a beach house in Greece. And it's got a nice bright cover, cover, like, you know, so someone will probably find that and enjoy it. Perfect. The next book I read was the book of Essie, which I picked up at BEA, but I I don't know if you did or not. I didn't, but I got it as one of my book of the month picks because everyone was talking about it and I was so super curious about it. So now it's on my pile of things that I want to read soonish. And I think that will either go up or down the list according to what you say next. Oh, okay. I think I, I think what I say will probably keep it either where it is or move it up. So um, the book of Essie is about a 17-year-old girl, young woman, living in a family called the Hicks. I think they're the Hicks family. And they're kind of like the Duggars. They're evangelical Christians with a reality show. So her life has been on camera since she was little. Her father is a is a pastor. Her mother is the true power behind the operation. She's got some older siblings, one of whom has left the family, left the cameras, and is living, you know, independently in Chicago. And when the book opens, we learn that she's pregnant. The girl's pregnant. And the question, of course, is how will they handle this pregnancy on air? Are they gonna is she gonna have a terminate the pregnancy? Or is she going to give the baby up for adoption and just sort of disappear for a couple months and hope that people don't find her out? Or she can get married and have the baby. So the book is really about Essie, that's the girl, and how she manipulates this situation to her advantage. She's, when it opens, she seems to have no power. She's Her mom is calling the shots, meeting with the directors of this show. You see that her mother frames everything. She is completely in charge of how this family appears on camera. And Essie is able to manipulate the situation to get her where she wants to go. So that's all I'll say because there are a few twists. There's a few things in here that um, maybe are supposed to be uh, secrets that are revealed that I kind of predicted pretty early on. So there's the plot twists are not very surprising. But I thought this was a good read and uh, it was funny. It's told from a few different perspectives. If you like reality television or you like seeing reality television get lampooned, um, I think you would like this one. And so I I recommend it. You'll probably finish this in like two days. So you said if you like reality television, which I don't watch a lot of. You know, I watched that one season of The Bachelor just because I was curious. Yeah. Um, But it's a serious treatment of reality shows or... Yeah, well, like shows that it's like know, warn the, me if, if it's trying to be comedic <laughs> yeah i mean it's not comedic it's more like you know america's stupid for lapping this stuff up when it's the reality of what they're seeing 
the reality behind what they're seeing is very different from what they think they're seeing. Right. So it's funny because I worked for many years at Discovery, which owns TLC, which aired the Duggars. And it reminded me of a real lot of the Duggars, just like that family. And we all know what happened to the oldest son. Right. And um, this book is not far off from that. Interesting. That's all I'll say. Yeah. So I think you'd like this one. Okay. All right. Well, I think that that was sort of, I'm really excited because this month I sort of sat down and made a list of things that have been on my mind to read or coming out that I really wanted to read and everything that I was reading for whatever various book clubs I was in. And I actually pretty much finished a lot of the list. So I'm excited. So I might do that again for next month and put the book of Essie as one of my books that I want to read. And I also have to, because everyone has told me about it, Lydia Hurt, um, mentioned that she was reading The Heart's Invisible Theories and it was really good and Sarah from Sarah's Bookshelves she says that I have to read it and yes. one more person told me about it so I really so it, you know I'm going to read that and the book of Essie which seems like it has some small print seems like it's sort of a longer book um, mm. yeah you'll read it fast I have to read The Great Believers too for next week oh are you doing that for book club yes uh, I will be so intrigued to hear what you say about that. That's I know. Such it's good... so funny because I randomly was meeting a friend for happy hour and I ran into one of the women who's in my book club and I was asking her about it and she said um, she's 70 pages in and it goes slow. It's slow going. Oh. I guess it hadn't picked up yet. But it's also a 500, you know, 450, yeah. 500 page book. So... Yeah, I need to. Yeah. Pick, I need to pick that up and start and get to work. Um, right, but I have heard such good things about it. Yeah, yeah me too. All right, so what's uh, next? Okay, so next, remember I told you there was a book that I grabbed at the last second, just yes. complete impulse. Like I walked down to the basement and there was my BEA box from like two years ago, and I just pulled something out of it. Yeah, and it was this memoir called Happiness by Heather Harpham mm-hmm. um, about this woman who has a daughter who. Um, has a blood disorder and needs, you know, needs basically needs a bone marrow transplant. And, um, you know, there's nothing like terribly unusual about this book or distinctive, but I liked it. It was, you know, it was, I, I, I think it was a good book to read to put you in the frame of mind of a parent of a sick kid, of a chronically sick kid, and a kid who's going through a lot of procedures. And, um, I had a lot of empathy for her and I thought she was, I thought it was well-written and it it also read pretty fast. And, you know, there's some suspense, not the good kind of suspense, but you wonder like what's going to happen is the surgery going to take and blah, blah, blah. But, um, I thought it was, I thought it was pretty good. So if it's some, if that type of book appeals to you, anyone listening, I recommend picking it up. If you're like, I don't want to read a memoir about someone and their sick kid, then skip it. But I liked it, and uh, it it certainly kept my attention. Good, and that and that's because I think I have in. that. Oh, you do. You might like it. It's sitting in the vacation house in Greece. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, so that's there. So that was good. So that was a total impulse that worked out okay. Um, then the next thing I read was I finished a book that I had been reading. 
and that I've been doing it on audio and I brought it on Kindle and I just wanted to finish it and get it off my plate. And that we had discussed this and you had said you were going to leave it behind, but yeah, you you got it, you got it done. The submission. I got it done. Yes. Right. You told me not to bring it. That's right. I thought of you because I kept putting it off and I was like, Nicole said not to read it because she said I should just focus on the stuff I'm excited about. But I kind of was at a point where I'd read like four other books and I was like, I just want to get it done. Right. And I had it on Kindle and I just knocked it off. So that was the submission by Amy Waldman. This from last episode is the, it's the book about the uh, 9-11 contest to uh, design a monument at Ground Zero and how the winner ends up being a Muslim man. And it's all about, from many perspectives, how America handles this, um, you know, this revelation that the guy who designed what was supposed to be a memorial to the Americans who died turns out to be a Muslim. I did not enjoy this book. Uh, <laughs> it, uh, I have admiration for the author and the subject matter, and it, she crammed a real lot in here, but it was a slog, definite slog. And I feel like the characters, like she basically was like, I need someone who's, you know, anti-Muslim, pro-family. Oh, so she had a checklist. She had a checklist of the perspectives she needed to cover. Then she had a character for each one slotted them in and it was like people were just basically talking and talking points there was not a lot of getting to know the real people behind these talking points it was just like she had her roles and they worked so um i don't know if it's just it's a lot of time has passed since 9-11 the country's a really different place the type of discourse we have in america today focuses on very different issues than the discourse happening in this book so maybe that's part of the problem. It feels out of date. It feels like unrealistic today. Um, I I just don't recommend it. Right. I'm what so am curious because really? I'm looking at, you know, of course, the reviews that came out um, 2011, 2012 when this book came out. They're just stellar. I feel yeah. like that's a book I, I, you know, it's one of those books that I think that I would think I would like. And you thought you would like it too, but you didn't. Yeah. You know, I think even when this book came out. You would not. I would have the same complaint about. The slotting the people st- in. The plotting, the structure. She's a journalist. And I think she writes like a journalist. She doesn't write like someone who has a burning desire to develop characters and plot. Right. She's like, here's a really interesting issue with a lot of controversy and a lot of opinions. And here, you know. Here are the people, uh, yeah. and they're the mouthpiece for these opinions. Yeah. Yeah. So I was so excited to to close the Kindle on the, the last page of this book <laughs> and get it done. I haven't reviewed it yet. I'm a little behind in my reviews. Uh, I gotta, I've got four more to go from vacation, so i got to review this one. But So you listened to it for the most part. You finished it up on your Kindle on vacation. Um, right. So I guess there were no changes between listening to it and reading it yourself. No, no. Okay. No changes. Okay. Then the next one, The Woman in the Window by A.J. Finn. You read this, right? I did. You did. Okay, good. So we can discuss. This is a thriller, psychological thriller about a woman, an agoraphobic woman who is trapped in her house who is convinced that she has witnessed a murder across And she's going to be played by Amy Adams. I just read the other day. Oh, yeah. I don't know if I'm going to be able to watch this movie. (laughs) Okay. Especially now that I know what happened. Um, 
you know, she's an unreliable narrator because she drinks a ton and takes a bunch of medicine and pills that she's not supposed to mix with alcohol. So she's like constantly in and out of states of various, uh, you know, uh, various states of intoxication, intoxication and, and just, uh, in anesthetic, like she's numbed herself to the point that she doesn't know what's going on. Right. Um, but she watches these people across the street, and there's a subplot involving her kid and her husband, which I figured out pretty early on. I'm, I assume you did, too. Um, yes. Yeah. And um, I didn't really enjoy this that much. I think I have to give up on these psychological thrillers. I know we've discussed this a million times. I, they make me too tense, and I'm like, why am I reading this? I don't really enjoy it. Right. What did you think? I thought it was a good popcorn book. I mean, because they don't... Psychological thrillers, you know, I think you, um, they don't really, you know, I'm not going to be up at night thinking about this. Like, it has to be super disturbing. Like, Baby Teeth, which I read about, like, sort of the psychotic daughter pitted against the mother. I had real qualms. Like, I was really uncomfortable reading that book. Something like this, I think I just don't take it seriously enough for it to affect my consciousness at all. So it's just sort of like, oh, you know, I wonder what was, what's going to happen next or this is interesting enough for me. Like, I liked the... I enjoyed the movie references. I enjoyed the neighborhood she lived in. Um, I pretty much knew what that's going to be. But I have such a different approach for those kinds of books because I just, you know, they're not going to compare to anything else that I'm normally reading. Right. I think they're my palate cleanser. Yes. It's a great word for it. It is a palate cleanser. It's kind of a, like... It's like a little shock to your system. Like... That jolt of sorbet they bring you between courses to sort of wake you up and then get you ready for the next thing. Yeah, I mean, for books like this, I, I feel like for what it was, it was entertaining. And yeah. I th- and I think it was better than some of the, some of um, some of the ones that I've read. So I liked it. Okay, this is going to be a big blockbuster. You know it. Probably. Like I don't know. Movie. Was Girl on the Train a big block? blockbuster no but that's because it wasn't that good of a movie right that's true yeah so i guess it depends how they did this i knew that this book was going to be a success when i was on the ferry ride from one part of greece to another and you saw someone reading it no i saw it in the um gift shop in translated in greek okay right and i was like wow this book is is in this random boats gift shop which doesn't have a lot of books in it and it's translated in greek so that's the book i left propped up against the uh, wind, against the gate of the Copenhagen airport. You know, that's kind of really interesting right now because we're going through this phase, and I think that at some point on the show we should talk about celebrity book clubs and what they're reading because, you know, these books are being optioned and they're being picked up to be films before, I mean, before they're even published. So it's just like even before... Even before what publishing people are getting galleys or whatever, you know, people are reading manuscripts that early. And I think one of the things about The Woman in the Window is it does lend itself, you know, you can just see it as a film, you know? Yeah. Even when you're reading it, I feel like it lends itself to... And so because we have these celebrity book clubs and, you know, sort of Reese Witherspoon and Carrie Washington and um, Emma can't think of her last name but because we have women like that who are picking books and I wonder you know 
of course, these people are actresses, so they're used to seeing books in a completely different way than we would normally read them. And that's usually my complaint when I come across a book with a lot of dialogue, I get really cranky because I'm just like, well, if I wanted a book with this much dialogue, I'd read a play or I'd watch a film. Right. Um, So I don't know. Just, I guess, something to put under our hats and to think about for discussion at some point. Yeah. Do you remember the Buzz panel last year where we picked this book up? And it was, so it's 2017, editors, Buzz Books. And they were saying that this was written by, I think, an industry insider. He's a publisher or an editor. Right. And they said this book was like optioned and it translated, contracts for translation in so many countries before it was even published. So, I mean, the, like, the buzz out about this one was very strong before it even came out, like you were saying. I think that that's one of the things, too. Like, um, my book club recently, we read Dark Matter by Blake Crouch, mm-hmm. which I thought had a really interesting plot, but the way it was written was just just not my standard of writing. You know, like, not writing that I would typically seek out or enjoy. And I, I mean, I read it because it was for book club, and I also was super curious about how they were going to tie up the particular plot that they were exploring. But, I mean, I could just see that, okay, this is being written to be translated. This is being written for television or this is being written for a movie. And sort of the literary quality or the the attention to detail, I think, that's sort of more required when you're not doing something that's visual was lacking. Right. So we'll um. see. Yep. Another thing we need to do is books to uh, books to movie show because there's a lot of there are a yes. lot of books that have made are either movies or they're Netflix films or they're something and I mean what's good about them now is because you have Netflix and Hulu and Amazon Prime and a bunch of different places where you can watch things you know HBO um, you don't have to you know run out to the movies and see them you can always just sort of. Um, have access to to look at that movie so we should really get into some of those and Big Absolutely. Little Lies is going to have a season two. Oh, I know my gosh which is exciting I and can't so wait is for that. The Sinner which you know are going to be completely complete departures from the books right because, because they, the book's yeah. not written yeah right um, okay so the second to last book is called The Fallout by Tamar Cohen And this is a book about two couples who are very close and have daughters the same age. And then one of the couples, uh, the husband, decides to leave the wife. So it's about what is the impact on the friendship between the four of them and the other couple. And then, of course, the divorcing couple. uh, By What's the impact that's brought on by this decision to to end the marriage? So I thought this was going to be like relationship domestic fiction that it would be this kind of analysis of the feelings of these parents and how it affects the friendship and that it would be sort of my in my wheelhouse of like relationship drama this ended up being much more of a psychological thriller than I expected Uh oh, yeah and maybe it's because (laughs) I didn't I don't know I'm not familiar with this author and I didn't read enough about it it certainly got some twists at the end where things devolved much more into like thriller territory. Not to say that's bad. It's just not what I expected. So I enjoyed it. It's, it gets kind of dark and a lot of like really bad things happen. Um, and it ends on kind of an interesting note, but, uh, anyway, not what I was expecting, but I'm glad I read it anyway. 
Well, good. It came out a while ago. Yeah, I think the book's, you know, maybe five or six years old. I'm not even sure. But that was book number six. And then book number seven, which is actually the first one I read, is one that you've read called That Kind of Mother by Rahman Alam. And I think it's your book club and my book club. Yes. Is that right? Okay. Um, so what did you think of this one? I liked it more than I liked his debut. I actually liked it quite a bit. I was surprised that I liked it as much as I did. He is such a detailed writer. Um, he's such a detailed writer. I think that I can be sort of very, um, much more critical of a contemporary literary fiction that is set in New York. And his first book was about two friends, you know, and who live in New York. And I think this one was set in Boston, right? No, D.C. D.C. Yeah, it was set in D.C., which I think is is also why I liked it much. Even though I feel like it could have been set anywhere. It did not feel very D.C. specific. No, it did not at all. Well, maybe only in her husband's job because he was working in the British Embassy Initially, right. yeah, he's right. an expat living in like the, the DCC. But I agree, I do live in DC, and so I was on high alert for DC details. And I agree, it, it was pretty minor. I think the author lives in DC. Does he or no? Does he live in New York? Uh, I think he. Li- I think he lives in New York. I think he lives in Brooklyn. Okay. Um, maybe he's from DC or something. I think that this is one of those books that is just not. It is misleading what it's about. Um, it really focused on, you know, this white mother who is raising one child, you know, one is black and, and one is white. I didn't feel like it was about that as much as it was about the friendship between these two women, her privilege and how, you know, the death of her friend basically changed her life and put her um, in close quarters with another family, I would say. Mm-hmm. I mean, there were some things, you know, with the race issues with the son, but I felt like they were, it was still more about her privilege and they were towards the end and very minor. Like, I would not say that this is a book that is about that. I agree. And I think it's about motherhood, kind yes. of about like retaining your own identity through motherhood, however you come into motherhood or parenthood. However you come into parenthood, whether it's through an adoption or a birth or if you're a mother or a father, um, it's about, I think, how it affects you and how, if it's possible to retain your sort of initial identity and how it affects relationships as well. Yeah. So what did you think? You know, it's funny. I... I found this very forgettable. Like, I know I read a whole bunch of books right after it, but like, I feel like I remember all of them better than I remember this one. Um, I, I, it was fine. It was, there were some nice insights about parenthood, but I feel like you're right. Like to bill it as a transracial adoption book or a book about race, I think is not really accurate. And if that's what he was trying to do, I don't think he really succeeded. Um, I found the main character sort of frustrating how like clueless she was about that and how constantly naively surprised she was all the time to learn that people of different races are treated differently in this country. And, um, well, I also think that's kind of modern because remember this book is set 20 years ago. Yes. 20 or 30 years ago. So this is like, yeah, the eighties. 
which I, I don't know. I mean, because I really didn't get the... I might have had that quibble if it was, like, more rooted in D.C., and I felt like it was a much more cosmopolitan-type book, but I guess I really forgot that it was in D.C., so I would think she just had small town. She didn't really, you know, she didn't really deal with anyone, and when she found someone that she wanted to connect with, she was just, you know super surprised that this woman would not want to connect with her in the same way, which was kind of interesting. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Like she was just so, I mean, not only naive, but just supremely self-centered. Yes. Supremely self-centered. That's right. With respect Uh, to her friend and her husband too. With her friend, with her husband, with the friend's daughter, you know, just the life that she just assumed that she would have just because she wanted it to be that way. And to just make the assumption because you have decided to adopt a child that you automatically have made a family with someone. I don't know. That was, I mean, I thought it was really interesting the way that he had um, her interact with the daughter even after she has adopted the son. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, to make this clear to people who are listening, she adopts, her friend dies, her friend is black, and... I mean, to basically call it, her nanny. Yeah, I was about to say to call it a friend. I mean, it's sort of you know. I'm pretty sure that this woman knew that she was her nanny, and even the way she became her nanny was sort of pushy. She just sort of got her way in things. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess it's about the friendship in her head because she's kind of very isolated. Yes, she is, and she. I, I think that's a whole plot a sort of theme of this is like were they friends is it possible for them to have been friends when they had this unequal footing one of them was an employer one of them was an employee and you know uh there was always an imbalance in terms of what they confided in each other she was very much an open book whereas priscilla the friend was not had a lot of secrets and kept a lot from her and didn't you know, as you would from your employer sure exactly <laughs> Exactly. So, um, I don't know. I, I It was an interesting book to read. I guess it would be, it definitely would be an interesting book to discuss because I do think that, you know, we make assumptions. We make assumptions about what our relationships are like and if people see relationships the same, the same way. So I think it's an interesting discussion to have. Um, I really enjoyed it while I was reading it. Like, I, I, it's a good, like, I had these questions on my, mind or these thoughts so it's like good to bounce them off of you but yeah by the end of this year will I remember the details I'm not sure right I think that's right uh okay so those are my vacation reads and um maybe what we should do is say for our next episode your list of books that you really want to focus on including the book of Essie And And I will share a few um, late August, early July books. Because, yeah, we have, um, we've really gone in on on the vacation reads this time. So let's save some stuff. Okay. All right. So we'll save our August, upcoming August reads for our next show. And um, I believe that the book I'm listening to on audio and potentially the book I'm reading, you've read them both as well. So we maybe Which one is this? So I'm listening to Everything Here is Beautiful. Oh, okay. Which you recommended highly. And um, 
I'm reading The Midwife of Hope River, which you thought maybe you'd read, but you're not sure if it was that or a different I midwife, read something. So. Yeah, I read something by that author, and I enjoyed it. Okay. So. It's probably a long time ago. It's an old book. Yeah, I will look it up and figure out which one I read and okay. see what I thought of it. Okay. Or see if reading the description jogs my memory. Okay. Well, this has been a very Gale-focused podcast, so I hope that's okay. No, I think it's perfect. It's just rare that I have a lot of books to discuss. You said I have all the books to talk about, and I want. Uh, yeah, it's it never happens that I have seven books to, that I've read. That will never happen again till maybe next summer if I go again for a week. So, so did you? So you? Um, so you're on par to finish your fifty-two this year? I think so, but uh, you know the pace has ground to a halt since I got home. So, but this this set me ahead a few. So this gave me a little cushion. Oh, that's so, good. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. Um, okay, so next week we'll talk about what we're reading now, um, what you've been reading, and a little look ahead towards um, August books. Sounds good. Until then. Uh, happy reading. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Readerly Podcast. You can find issues of Readerly at readerlymag.com, and you can find me, Gail, blogging at Every Day I Write the Book, which is at everydayiwritethebookblog.com, and Nicole at Linus's Blanket, which is linusesblanket.com. Please subscribe to the Readerly Podcast at iTunes or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Until next time, keep reading.